the machine of a dream. Such a clean machine. Do you love your car? Because I love my car. I have a little 2014 Chevy Sonic hatchback, sky blue color. I call her Boom. And she's been with me through a lot of trips. She's got a great sunroof, runs really well, has a turbo, so she has a nice get up and go. I always surprise people at <laughs> green lights when it changes from red to green. People are always like, wow, she just got up and, and went, boom, leaving them in the dust. I don't do that on purpose, but it is kind of fun when it happens. And I love driving my car. The only thing I wish I had is a manual transmission. It's an automatic. And that's kind of a bummer. I do have a sport gear, which I use a lot on hills. But yeah, I wish I had a manual transmission. But I love my little car. And I hope to keep her for a while. But I don't know if I'm in love with my car. At least not in the way that drummer Roger Taylor wrote this song. (laughs) when he contributed it to Queen's fantastic fourth album, A Night at the Opera. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Roger's sole contribution to the album. I'm in love with my car. Yes, it is one of the band's most memed things ever. It's one of the most joked about things ever. I see so many things thrown out there, very much inspired by dialogue from the film Bohemian Rhapsody, which we'll talk about in depth as we get through this dive. This is Queen Deep Dive 37, track number three on the album A Night at the Opera. Yeah, and Roger has us firmly entrenched in hard rock. He and Brian, more than John and Freddie, keep us in the rock zone a lot of the time. Not all the time, but if anybody's going to be playing out a truly rock and roll number, it's going to be Roger or Brian. And Roger's got us rocking out here with some furiousness and some ferocity. It's quite fun. It's quite sneaky the way this number gets you because reading the lyrics, and we'll talk about those too, it's kind of silly, over the top, surprising, a little bit eyebrow raising perhaps, but you know what? Again, super enjoyable. This is perhaps the infamous B-side of the Bow Rap single, and we'll talk about why there's so much tension around that. We're at 144 beats per minute in 3-4 time signature, and only two keys, E minor and D major. And all through this number, he's got to feel for his automobile. Yeah, Those are lyrics taken directly from this song. Just one of the many that, again, are quite surprising. Slick little cheeky innuendos, as it were. Yeah, this was written in 3-4, which is also called ternary meter. And it's one of Roger's favorite time signatures. He uses this time signature a lot, even in his, obviously this, a very hard rocking number, but also in slower numbers as well. But I'm in love with my car is just what you would expect it to be. It's loud, a hard rock number with plenty of heavy drums, of course, cymbals, crashes, and guitars, courtesy of both Brian and Roger. Surprise, surprise. And this isn't too much out of the norm, actually. When Roger contributes something to Queen, he often takes the opportunity to contribute 
on other instruments like guitar. So it's safe to say he likes to take advantage of that spotlight every so often. And we have no exception here. So while Brian, Freddie, and Roger provide harmony vocals, Roger doubles his lead vocals, which is a common production method seen from him, provides his own car's revving engine as a sound effect, and yes, performs rhythm guitar. Roger's voice is at its grittiest here with lots of growls and tension and very high full chest voice delivery. His drumming is dynamic, as if we would expect anything else, plenty of toms for lots of depth, and cymbals galore. They appear on nearly every measure's downbeat in this song. Brian's guitar may be noticeably absent through sections of this number, but when he does appear, as always, it's lyrical, aggressive, perfectly echoes Roger's vocal melodies. The guys are incredibly good at writing solos, instrumentations that complement where the vocals go. And Roger's square style of composition with very familiar, memorable motifs and hooks helps create this catchy song that anyone can enjoy and rock out to. Yes, Roger's compositions tend to be quite square. They tend to be a little bit more predictable, but there's something about that predictability that creates a catchiness and a hook He's very good at that. He's very good at taking something that is quite conventional and giving it a twist or a surprising pop that you desperately need to make it stand out. And this is one of those songs. And it's had a very long life in live performances. This was played 226 times in the classic Queen lineup on the set list frequently from 77 through 81. But later, Queen and Paul Rogers played this 104 times, and Queen and Adam Lambert have played it 129 times so far. I'm sure that number will continue to climb. And Roger also covered this with his band, The Cross, playing guitar while he sang lead rather than the drums. So it's safe to say it's an enduring favorite that fans love hearing live, and it gives Roger his moment as the lead vocalist more than any other song ever in a performance setting. This is the song that is Roger's when it comes to being a member of Queen. So let's talk about his performance with Queen. In Queen's performances, Roger would play his flashy drum arrangements while singing. Lead vocals playing drums while singing. This is not something many drummers can successfully pull off because drumming is work. It gets your heart rate up. It's tough. Roger once played a drum solo on the UK game show Brainstorm, hosted by the very lovable Kenny Everett. And he played for about 30 seconds. And the contestants had to guess his heart rate at the end, which was over 170. That's like me running and trying to sing this song. But the fact that Raj could do this pretty dang well, almost perfectly in some performances, and he can still do this, impressive. And in those Queen performances, Roger would launch into this with Freddie on the piano, pounding away. They'd play through the bridge before proceeding to the outro in a somewhat shortened arrangement. And I'm sure they did this because it's just so hard to play drums, and sing a lead vocal at the same time. 
But nonetheless, Roger always pulled this off fantastically well. And Freddie would usually provide backing vocals, sometimes singing improvised accent vocals in the chorus or actually singing the chorus with Roger, giving it a doubled lead vocal effect, quite powerful. And the 79 Hammersmith performance of Roger doing this is just... It's perfect. It's better than the 81 Montreal gig, which is more widely known. But Roger doesn't miss a note, doesn't miss a riff, doesn't miss anything at that Hammersmith performance. He gets everything out with enthusiasm and swag. And that just wows me. When I watch it and listen to it, I'm floored at how well he pulls that off. And it always went over so well. But... This number had a very rocky start for as hard rocking and awesome as it is. Brian thought this was a joke when Roger played it for him on guitar and he sang the demo. And Brian always had some skepticism about where the motivation came from. So pretty recently, Brian mentioned Roger's love of, quote, fast cars, fast everything, et cetera, et cetera, unquote. And he seems convinced that Roger actually wrote this about his own enthusiasm for cars. So we can assume that Brian's opinion has always been this from the get-go, that he always thought that Roger was writing an autobiographical song about being in love with his car. Roger has stated that this is about people who love their cars, specifically Queen's roadie Jonathan Harris, whose Triumph TR4 was evidently the love of his life. And in Roger's own words, he said to Mojo Magazine, quote, I'm not obsessed, but I do love a good car, unquote. So we can take all of that as we will. I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter where the motivation came from. This song, as silly as it reads on paper and as surprising as some of these innuendos are and as bold as some of these lyrics are, this is a catchy song. And people really love it. And Roger always loved it, as he always loved his own compositions. He was very proud of this. He supposedly locked himself in a cupboard to convince Freddie and the guys to make this the B-side of Bo Rap. And this was a very controversial thing. We've talked about this before. Because the composer of the song, in this case it would have been Roger, would have earned all the royalties for that number wherever it's credited, played, included, etc. So in this case, on the bow rap single as the B-side. Obviously, Roger getting full credit for this as its creator, he would have earned roughly, if not, the same amount that Freddie did with the massive success of the bow rap single. So if you can imagine... Brian and maybe John sitting and thinking, wow, that's great. That's awesome. Look at this. They're probably thinking they should have just left Roger in the cupboard. (laughs) And I imagine there was quite a bit of arguing. And this probably popped up every so often during other spats about whatever it was the guys were working on at the time. And this would go on and on for years. And they finally wised up a little bit later in their career and decided that everybody was going to get full credit on every song. But needless to say, this was one of those instances where there was probably fighting that happened off and on. For a while. In fact, there's a great photo of the guys receiving an award, and I don't remember where it was or exactly when it was, but it was shortly after 
Bo Rap was released in the whole A Night at the Opera time. It's probably, I think it's in 1976. And there's a whole series of these photos and the guys are holding up these awards. And Roger is the only one with this massive smile on his face. I think this had to do with Bohemian Rhapsody as a single. And I'm sure he was delighted because <laughs> I'm in love with my car was the B side. And you can't blame him. But it's just funny to know the sentiment about this whole thing and this situation and see the looks on the other guy's faces. Is it a coincidence? <laughs> I think it's great. Anytime there's a photo with all four of them in it and one of them looks very different than the rest, I always wonder what was going on and what the demeanor was and what the attitude was at the time. I can't help but wonder. Roger loved to put his stamp on his creations and the car revving at the conclusion of the song and in the middle of the song as well. And I think in the radio single for this song, you might hear the car at the beginning. That is a recording of Roger's car at the time, an Alfa Romeo. And if you listen very closely at the end of the song, you can actually hear someone saying something. And I've tried to figure out what it is and I can't, but very curious to know what that was all about. I can't find any bad comments for I'm in love with my car. Even listeners who playfully pick on the topic or the lyrics tend to enjoy it or they quote the film Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm just going to say it. For some reason, that annoys me. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe the guys did have a conversation very similar to that scene. John and Brian are kind of grilling Roger on this song. You know, we have a line from John. What exactly are you doing with that car? And Brian picks on the lyrics and, and Roger says, it's a metaphor. I see this quoted all the time, especially from younger fans that have just started to fall in love with Queen. They love this scene. And I, I don't know why, but maybe that's why it bothers me because I see everybody quote it and I'm thinking there's gotta be so much more to this than that simple interaction and in that scene. I, there's a lot of anger in that scene. There's a lot of frustration and a lot of, well, why do we need to include your song and not my song? And why is my song awful? That sort of thing. A lot of creative battles going on, which I'm sure was something that happened quite a bit between the guys. I mean, you have four very, very assertive guys that want to get their ideas out there. But for some reason, every time I see quotes for that scene, I just kind of roll my eyes at it. <laughs> I'm being totally honest here. But that is my feeling around that. But yes, people definitely love to quote that scene. And yeah, it is an enduring thing in the fandom. I mean, hey, if it gets people talking about the song and listening to it, all the more awesome. So at the end of the day, it's not actually a bad thing. And there are some great comments from critics, press, etc. Music writer Tom Reynolds described this as, quote, seriously, one of the greatest and most passionate love songs I've heard during the last 30 plus years, unquote. But I take that with a grain of salt because that was included in a list of Tom Reynolds' 52 of the creepiest love songs you've ever heard. <laughs> so at first when I read his comment, I thought, well, that's actually interesting. And then I realized what his list was. And I thought, okay, this is not a conventional love song list. This is a kind of unique list. But all music called this an album highlight. 
And this is also often cited as one of the best Queen songs without Freddie on lead vocals. So that's saying something. I mean, you can pick on the song all you want. You can say it's over the top. You can say it's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, this is one of those that people recognize it. They enjoy it. They love to bust it out, including me. And it's just awesome. Starts with a crash. Lead guitars. Galloping piano. Thanks, Freddie. And plenty of symbols, of course. Roger's sole contribution to the album kicks off immediately establishing itself as one of the firmly rock songs on A Night at the Opera. And while all the boys come screaming out into the intro, as the verse begins, this is mostly Roger's number. The doubled lead vocals, the simple rhythm guitar, which is likely Roger's own playing, as a matter of fact, and his drums. There's no piano, no lead guitar. Actually, lead guitar is absent throughout most of the song. And Roger pretty much owns this. His vocals scream and ring out throughout the entire number, layered and with a touch of reverb for ambience. He did this a lot. The backing harmonies from all three of the boys are nicely done with rich, round qualities, suspension, an interesting contrast of softness, but I think that's a good decision. It's an ideal performance choice, keeping Roger's lead vocals front and center. In fact, Roger appropriately steals the show here with only Brian's sporadic lead guitar occasionally appearing in brilliant bright flashes. John pounds away on the bass with playful licks scattered throughout, though it's more of a support act for Roger's enthusiastic lead performance. The lyrics that celebrate an intense love for one's car are catchy, playful, cheeky, sometimes, yes, eyebrow raising. Quote, with my hand on your grease gun, or, quote, string back gloves in my automo love. I actually didn't realize that second lyric, that that's what he said. I had to go back and read that a few times. I was surprised. I hate to say it, but it's no wonder Brian thought this was a joke. I mean, can you blame him? But regardless, this song is undeniably enjoyable and a big favorite, no matter what kind of tension it created in the band. As the dominating chord fades out at the end, with Brian's colorful riffs that circle around the listener, Roger's Alfa Romeo purrs and growls and makes one more appearance suddenly fading in again with the conclusion of percussion and the rhythm guitar. I gotta admit, this song isn't one of my favorites from Roger. In fact, if I ranked all of his contributions to Queen. This would probably be near the bottom. That doesn't mean it's bad, because I don't really dislike anything the guys do. But yeah, I'm being hard on my favorite Queen here. Because on the surface, this has no substance. The arrangement is simple, maybe even cliche. There's a lot about it I could criticize. The lyrics, the fact that Roger has to bring his revving engine back in at the end a second time, the complete silliness of the song's message. But you know what? Every time I listen to this, I love it. It's fun, it's catchy. I end up singing it out just like Roger, growls and all. It's a great piece of songwriting and Roger hooks me with it. He's just charming that way. And I think that's why this works and people love it. You listen to this, you listen to the lyrics, you get to like the end of the first verse, the beginning of the first chorus, and you're like, what is this? And by the time you get to the end, 
you kind of want to listen to it again. It just has that quality. The replay value is very, very good on this song. So props to Roger for writing this, for pushing to get it out there more. I think the fact that this is one of Queen's most joked about moments of any song says a lot. People know this song and they love it despite what they may joke about. Just like me, I love it. I can't help it. But that is I'm in love with my car. Dive number 37. Check it out. Go check out the Hammersmith performance from 79. I'm telling you, I cannot believe he nails every note, every crash, every snare, everything. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect as a performance. I mean, there might be one or two things that I'm just, I'm simply in awe of it so much. I'm missing little hiccups here and there. But honestly, if there is anything, it's not obvious. He just nails that performance. Go check it out. And go enjoy your car. Go for a drive. I love drives. I'm going to do an episode all about road trips. I have it on my list. I love road trips. I love getting into the car for no other reason than just hitting the road and putting some miles on it. It's fun. Check out I'm in love with my car and I'll be back next time with some more chats. In the meantime, keep yourselves alive.